the hard shoulder on Newstalk with Nissan's big electric switch. Scrappage is now available on your old car when you switch to a 100% electric Nissan Leaf. It is that time of the week. Yes, it is a Wednesday. It's almost seven o'clock. So John Kelleher is along for another edition of The Last Post when John tells us about the life and times of someone who has recently passed away, someone you've probably never heard of, someone you probably should have heard of. And John, this week, it is the remarkable Faye Schulman. Who was Faye Schulman? Well, I think remarkable is the word. Uh, she she's she was an extraordinary woman. She She died just last week at the age of 101. She fought with and photographed the Jewish resistance during the Holocaust, uh, fighting the Nazis um, during World War Two. She, she was the only woman in a brigade of partisans uh, along the uh, Pol- Eastern Poland Russian border. And for two years, she fought with the partisans um, in kind of sabotage attacks on the on the Nazis. And she had two weapons, Kieran. Uh, both of them extremely uh, useful and powerful. One was her rifle, but the other was her camera. And with her camera, over those two years, she captured amazing images and evidence of Nazi atrocities. Okay, uh, uh, listen, we'll, we'll we'll get to that point then where she found herself having to do that. Tell me a little bit about her early life. Yeah, she was she was Jewish. She was born to an Orthodox Jewish family in 1919 in a place called Lenin, which is not actually called after the after Vladimir Lenin, the Soviet uh, revolutionary, but after a, a woman named Lena, who was the daughter of a local aristocrat. And uh, her father was an administrator in the local synagogue and her mother was a, a cook. And she had an early, she developed an early aptitude for photography. Her brother was a photographer and she worked as an apprentice to, to him. Both of her parents and four of her six siblings would uh, perish in the Holocaust. Oh my God. Uh, so she was born yeah. in 1919. So her early 20s, I assume, by the time the Nazis got to exactly, the, the, yeah. the Polish border with the Soviet in Union. Fact, when the Nazis occupied eastern Poland and they imprisoned the 1850 Jewish inhabitants of Lenin, the town of Lenin, within a ghetto. And in August of the following year, they marched all but a handful of the ghetto residents uh, to trenches outside the the town and they shot them. Um, She was spared she and the others, the handful who were spared, were, were kept in the synagogue. But they could hear in the distance, they could hear the Nazi machine guns firing. And she actually, you know, remembering it 50 years later, she wrote in her memoir, the trenches were far away, but I heard the cries of my people, cries that still echo in my ears. I am still filled with indescribable sorrow when I think of how my family came to their end. Even today, I flinch. This is extraordinary, actually. Even today, she said, I flinch whenever I hear the roar of a crowd at an outdoor sports arena. Sounds that reverberate in my consciousness. Oh, wow. OK. Uh, why, why was she spared? She she was spared very simply for one reason. She had uh, what the Nazis saw as a useful skill. Um, she was she and the other survivors like had 
practical skills. Like there was a, a trade that was useful to the Nazis, like uh, there was a tailor, a shoemaker, uh, a carpenter, a printer. And of course, she was a photographer. So they actually put her to work uh, photographing German officials and developing the prints, which the Germans required, the Nazis required for for record keeping. I think she describes this. I think you have a clip of her. We do, a clip of her describing uh, this exact task that she was put to. After the killing, I continued to work as a photographer for them. And I was hoping maybe there will be somehow a way how I could escape and I I could join the partisans. I could have escaped when the people were alive, but if I would have escaped, the whole family would be killed, another 50 people. Now I am alone. But in the meantime, they brought me again the films to develop, and they gave me in one of the films, I noticed this is the trenches where my family is. And this picture is the exact um, t- a trench where my family is shot. My father, my mother, my two sisters, my sister's two children, and the husband, and my two younger brothers. And they are all shot, all in those three trenches. John, my God, I, you think we've heard this and these types of stories so often, you might become inured to them. But the Nazis killed her family in these trenches. She was in the local synagogue listening to it all happen. And then she was given the job of developing the photographs of those trenches. Exactly. I mean, it's pretty it's pretty horrifying. What she did, which must have taken, uh, must have been incredibly dangerous and took some courage. She made a second copy of the picture of her family in the trenches, in the trench, uh, a second kind of clandestine copy. And she kept that and other images of photographs that she took to, to document for, for posterity, to document Nazi atrocities. Oh, that was brave. Certainly. She mentioned in that clip wanting to run away and join the partisans. Uh, she obviously did eventually. Yeah. As she said, because her family were now gone to her, she, uh, she, didn't, uh, she didn't fear that there would be reprisals. So she, during a raid on the town by partisans, she took the chance to escape uh, into the surrounding forest and she joined up with a partisan brigade and spent two years, in fact, with them. She had some medical knowledge that she'd picked up from uh, her brother-in-law, who was a doctor. And so she became, among other things, she became a nurse to the brigade. And uh, she recalled, um, you know, treating gunshot wounds and other injuries, often performing uh, pretty rough surgery on tree trunks instead of an operating table. (laughs) And she used vodka as an anesthetic. She had to conceal her Jewish identity, by the way, because there was quite a bit of anti-Semitism. And in the two years, she managed to uh, conceal that. All oh, right. Okay. So she she at least concealed that and survived uh, while Be- working as a nurse. Beautiful did- phrase, Karen. That she yeah. Go she on. came up with a lovely phrase. She yeah. She said when it was time to be hugging a boyfriend, I was hugging a rifle. I think, yeah, which that- is quite nice. And actually, that rifle that she she treasured. That was her pillow at night. She she slept with her head on the stock of the rifle. My God. Uh, well, did she continue the photography? She did all during her time with the partisans. She she took and and developed very skillfully composed um, pictures 
that that kind of created a, an intimate archive of what life was like with the resistance in occupied uh, Nazi Poland. And sometimes she featured in, in her own pictures. She and by the way, she she I think you might have seen some of the pictures. She's very distinctive, very, very photogenic. I mean, she's got a sort of a star quality that comes out of the out of the images. Um, she showed a fellow partisan how to operate the camera. So she was able to get into some of the the, the group shots. Oh, wow. Well, okay. um, but so during the during the raids that they conducted, the sabotage raids on the Nazis, she would bury her camera and her developing solution in the ground for safekeeping. And did, did she ever like that they're operating in and around the Polish-Soviet border in Belarus, as you mentioned, I mean, did they ever make it back to her hometown? Did she ever make it back? Oh, oh yeah, they did. Um, I think several times because it was, you know, a reasonable sized town and they would, they raided it quite a few times for purposes of stocking up with food and, and, and medicine. And apparently during one of the raids, she she saw her former home and which is now abandoned, of course, and she requested her partisan uh, colleagues to burn it down. Um, she she said, "I won't ever be living here. My family is dead. Burn it." Oh wow! And they did. And what about uh, John? Post-war or, or post-liberation, what happened? Well, the the Soviets liberated the the area, the region in July '44, and she was um, acclaimed as a as a war hero. And she actually got a, a job as a photographer in that area, uh, which is now um, known as Belarus. Um, she, it was a very bittersweet time for her, though, she said. Um, she said, for me, the day of victory was a day of reckoning. Never in my life had I felt so lonely, so sad. Never did I feel such a yearning for the parents, the family and friends who might never see again. You mentioned, though, at the outset, John, sorry, when, when you were talking about the Holocaust, not, not all her family died in the Holocaust. No, that's absolutely right. Um, things took a turn for the better <laughs> when she discovered to her absolute uh, joy that her brother, Moshi, was actually alive. He had actually, like herself, he had escaped the Nazis and joined uh, the partisans, but a different partisan outfit. And she then subsequently, it's a good story, she married Moshi's best pal, best friend, Morris Schulman. And she and Morris spent two years then in Germany in a displacement camp because they had the idea of going to Palestine, which was then under British rule. Mm. This was pre-1948, the foundation of the State of Israel. Um, but when she gave birth to a daughter, they decided that maybe Palestine and getting there would be would be difficult and tricky. So they decided instead that they'd emigrate to Canada. OK, and and spend their lives in Canada. Did, did she leave the war and that experience behind her then for the, the, the rest of her life? Was it something she revisited? Was it something she talked about? Did she have photos published? How, how did it play out? All of those, actually, all of those. She didn't. She definitely didn't leave it behind. I mean, what happened was that they set up. Morris had been an accountant, um, and he worked initially as a labourer, and she worked as a dressmaker. And they bought a hardware store and had a business. And she resumed working as a as a photographer. And then Morris died in 1992, and she published three years later her memoir, which was called A Partisan's Memoir: Woman of the Holocaust. 
And it got tremendous reviews in the Toronto Star and in the Washington Post. And it's actually still, I checked, it's still available, readily available today. She was she did a lot of uh, lectures about her wartime experiences and she got she was decorated by the Russian, uh, American and Canadian governments. And her pictures were um, are in fact are on view in the Holocaust Museum in, in Washington, D.C. And they've been exhibited all around the world. Yeah. Listen, like I said at the outset, a, a remarkable life, a remarkable woman uh, and remarkable experience. John, thanks a million, as always, uh, for talking us through uh, the life and times of Faye Shulman, who has recently passed away. 